Welcome to Real Deep Stuff. We've saved your seat at the table for this conversation. We're so glad you're here. Hey everybody, with Mother's Day coming up in a couple of days, I thought it would be really fun to take a look at moms <laughs> and particularly the moms in my life that have really influenced me. They have left a legacy for me that I try to live up to every day. I'm so excited to introduce them to you, and I know that we could probably talk endlessly about moms, um, all of it, but today I just wanna touch on a couple of things that each of the moms that have been important in my life have either taught me by example, or told me, or whatever. So let's just get to it. I want to first introduce you to my great grandmother. We called her Grandmother Alice. And she was a remarkable woman. First of all, she was born in 1899. And I love that I actually had a relationship with someone born in the 1800s. I just think that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's very historical. Um, I had her in my life until I was 12 years old. So I mean, we we had a relationship. Um, I remember so many fun things about her. She was just a sweet quiet, beautiful soul. I loved sitting on the couch and snapping beans or snapping peas with her. Just everything was mm, safe and soft and gentle. She was just a really beautiful person. I used to love having sleepovers with her and I remember we would watch like the beauty pageants together. That was really fun. But she had this fun game that we'd play. I'd share a bed with her and she'd say, okay, we're going to play the I'm asleep game. And I was like, okay, how do we play that? Because I was just a little kid. And she was like, all right, when you go to sleep, it's the first person who can say that they're asleep will win. So think about that for a minute. <laughs> if you're asleep, you can't say I'm asleep. And it always just kind of broke my brain a little bit, but I played the game and then I'd say, okay, I'm asleep. And she'd say, well, you're not asleep because you're telling me you're asleep. And I was just, it's kind of like one of those who's on first things. And it was really funny. I was always very confused, but I still loved playing the game with her. I don't know. She and I had a lot of good times together. I remember so many good moments with her and she was a huge blessing in my life. She was one of the first to really live out her faith and I will never forget that. That's a another podcast for sure. She stole my heart. She just was wonderful, wonderful. One time I was really sick and I got sick in the toilet and sorry, it's a little TMI, but I had also gotten like a really pretty ring out of the bubblegum machine at the grocery store. And I was really sad that my ring fell in the toilet. She reached her hand down in there and got the ring out. So total creds to her for that. Um, I really, I just really couldn't believe she did that for me. I was just a little kid, but I remember thinking, wow, grandmothers and to me, my great grandmother, that's who she was. Um, wow, they do anything for you. That is just, it's kind of a gross memory, but wow, that really stuck to me that they do anything for you. So that is Grandmother Alice, and trust me, I could go on, but we'll move on now to my grandmother. 
and her name was Melrose, so she went by Mel, and Grandma, and I called her Grandma, and then when my kids were born, they called her Grandma Mel, kind of like the Grandmother Alice thing, just a little shorter. So Grandma, or Grandma Mel, was just an amazing woman. I had her in my life longer than any other mother figure. She taught me so much just by how she lived. She lived love. Like, caregiving for her family was the most important thing. So like I said a second ago, my great-grandmother, Grandmother Alice, lived with them for 10 years and went through all the stages of dementia and Alzheimer's and all of that. And my grandmother just single-handedly took care of her. And then when my mom got cancer, uh, she had it for 11 months, and we eventually moved into my grandparents' home when my mom just got too sick to live in our home. So my grandmother care gave for her the whole time, and she actually passed away in the same bedroom that my great-grandmother passed away in, in my grandparents' house. And she then uh, took care of my grandfather when he got cancer. And so she was just the best caregiver for him. And in the meantime, she's caregiving me because I was 16 when my mom died. So like she kind of, they, my grandparents didn't become parents to me. They didn't take on that role. So it was kind of on my own at 16, but I lived with them and I don't know, maybe they just trusted me or I honestly think they just were doing all they could do, you know, to, to give me a roof and food and love. So anyway, um, she definitely had a huge hand in who I've become today, all the good parts. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and she's always been there for my sister as well. Just She just loves her family and she just lived it. She never talked about it. She just lived it. Um, it's always having a meal ready if you came in from work tired or school tired. And I could tell you a million stories of all the little things that she did that were huge to me. She would take me out for ice cream and yeah, just loved all my kids. And, and it, she was an amazing woman. So I want to share... I, I would describe her as um, fiercely family-oriented and Southern sweet. So she was just this, like, amazing Southern proper woman. Just total class, right? But if you mess with her family, you're going to poke the bear. <laughs> and she, she would run to the roar for us. And it's like this whole other person came out still classy, still proper, still all of that, but she had a strength, like a, like a superpower type of strength in her that came out when anyone messed with her family. And I just admire that so, so much. So I want to tell you a story that my great-grandmother, Grandmother Alice, and my grandmother did together. And um, I wasn't alive when it happened, but here's how it goes. And, and this just, this meant the world to me to, to know this and hear it, tell, hear them tell it. So it was back in the 60s, um, in the whole civil unrest era. 
and they were in Atlanta and they were going to go downtown shopping. And back then, you know, you get all dressed up and um, you go shopping downtown and it's a big, it's a big, big day. It's a big deal. So they were down there shopping and a young African-American girl, they said she was all about 12 years old, was crying. And so they said, why are you crying? And she said, I really need to use the bathroom, but this is a whites only bathroom and I don't have anywhere to go. And my grandmother and great grandmother were like, come with us, we got you. And so my great grandmother hid her in her coat because they were all dressed up, hid the little girl in her coat and snuck her into the whites only bathroom. And my grandmother stood guard at the door. And like I said a second ago, she was kindest soul you'd ever meet, but don't mess with her family. And in that moment, that sweet girl was her family to her and she wasn't going to let anybody pass. And so the two of them helped her in her time of need. And I'm so proud of them for doing that because I wasn't alive then, but I would hope that in moments where you could make a difference, that you take that moment and make a difference. And that applies to back then, and it applies to now in any type of injustice or any situation where you can help. And I learned from them that chutzpah (laughs) to do the right thing when it's your turn to do it. They were the ones there. They, it was it was on them to help her. And they didn't even blink. They're like, of course we are going to help you. And gosh, I just really admire that. And that story makes me so proud to be in the female lineage of them. And I hope that I have made them proud when it's been my turn to do the right thing and not walk on by or turn a blind eye or something or to speak up for, you know? I always remember them that they took a risk that day because in those in that era, you know, that was risky for them and they didn't even bat an eye. They just jumped in and did it and just so proud of that. I'm so proud to be their granddaughter and great granddaughter and truly that story has run through my mind a million times and every time that I have an opportunity to do the right thing in whatever capacity, I think of them. I'm like, oh yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. So those are my two grandmother and great-grandmother figures. And then I want to talk to you about my mother-in-law. We called her Nana because that was her you know, grandparent name when all the grandkids were born across the family. And um, her real name was Sarah, but she went by Sally. So she went by either Sassy Sally or Silly Sally. And she was truly one of a kind. And there's three things that I wanted to uh, share that, that impressed on me of about her. One is, I know this is kind of crazy to mention this, but we keep it real here, right? Real deep stuff. <laughs> so she had four kids and she always talked about what she learned in labor was to just become a rag doll and just be a rag doll and let the body do what it needs to do. 
And we laughed about that over the years, about how it's not just in labor that the whole ragdoll theory applies. It can be a stressful moment. It could be in an emotional capacity or mental capacity, not just a physical one. So there have been lots and lots and lots of times that I think about her, particularly for me, it's in like a I'm in a stressful situation and I can feel like my heart starting to thump and my blood sugar's going up and I'm, you know, that heat on the back of your neck and all that kind of stuff. I think about her about be a ragdoll and I just kind of take that deep breath and I just relax like a ragdoll. And it really works. It truly works. And there, I've had multiple surgeries and different physical things and I can't tell you how many times I think about her saying that, you know, being a rag doll, just, just to relax and, and let the moment be what it needs to be. And that's something that I really appreciate that she shared with me and put into practice on a weekly, if not daily basis now. It's just be the rag doll, you know, kind of like, don't fight it. Just let it go. If it's a if it's a hard memory, you know, that surfaces, okay, I'll give this memory 30 seconds. <laughs> as long as, you know, we're talking about healthy context, of course, of all these things. I'm like, okay, we're just going to think about this for 30 seconds and then I'm going to let it go. Or if I'm having a conversation with someone and it's um, stressful, I can just be a ragdoll. Just, whew, okay, let's just keep calm and hear each other out and all that good stuff. So I love the ragdoll concept. All right, the second thing that she impressed on me because she said it all the time was, don't speak it into being. <laughs> I know she didn't make that up, but boy, she said that all the time. And if you've started feeling sick or something, don't speak it into being. <laughs> and it's so funny that now I find myself saying that and that is full credit to her because she must have said it in the gosh how many years did i know her i i joined the family at 17 and gosh if i do the math really quick i don't know that's it's 30 something years that i knew her i can't tell you how many times she said that don't speak it into being and whether it was like oh i don't think i'm gonna get that job or I'm sure our house bid won't win or, you know, anything negative like that. Don't speak it into being. So it's just a way to remind ourselves to stay positive and to not go to that negative place as our as our knee-jerk reaction in life. And so now I'm the one saying it. And it's funny. I just, I, I didn't realize it until a few years ago. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I, I say what she said. And, I, and I'll say it to my family. If someone sounding negative, don't speak it into being like it hasn't happened yet. So don't don't help it happen <laughs> negatively. So I love that about her. And then the third thing that she really um, impressed on me, this one was the biggest one. So she would say, I could do anything for dot dot dot. And what and I'll explain the context. So if we were going to be um, staying in a family's house in Pennsylvania, and it was a couple hour drive into New York City, this happened every year. And we'd say, you know, Nana, do you feel like driving into New York City? It's about a two hour drive. And she'll say, well, I could do anything for two hours. And I'm like, okay, cool. 
or if we go to an amusement park with the kids and it's going to be a lot of like sitting and waiting right for them to get in line and ride the rides and all that it's for those not riding it's a lot of sitting and waiting and i'd say you know do you want to go it's going to be a, a long day i'm like we're probably going to be there you know for eight or ten hours and well i could do anything for ten hours even a long line in the grocery store half an hour line or so you know, I would say, it's, is it okay? Do you feel like waiting? Or should we just leave and come back? Well, I could do anything for half an hour. And she really believed that. Like, that is who she was. She really believed that she could do anything for that fixed amount of time. Like, she decided in her mind she was just going to get her head around it and lean into it. And that is what life was going to be for that amount of time. And she could do it. And I at first I thought... That's new. I've never really heard anyone say it like this or say it so often. And it was like her mantra. Well, I could do anything for whatever amount of time. And although I don't say it out loud, I totally adopted that into my mindset. And so if I'm the one standing there in a long line and I'm thinking, oh man, you know, I really don't want to do this for the next 45 minutes of my life that I can't get back, you know, and then I'll think, I could do anything for 45 minutes. Yeah, I can do this. Even just today, it was really heavy traffic coming home from across town and I'm looking at the GPS and it's going from blue to yellow to red and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't like being stuck in traffic. It's just a huge pet peeve for me. And had I looked at the approximate, you know, drive time, it's like, okay, I only have, because it was a lot longer time, but th at this point in the game, it was like 25 minutes left of driving. I'm like, I could do anything for 25 minutes. So I can do this. I find myself telling myself that, you know, Nana would say it out loud, but I just quietly say it to myself. And it has completely changed my perspective on the situation. It really has. Now, instead of looking like the situation is controlling me because I'm stuck somewhere, stuck in a doctor's office or even stuck in a conversation with someone I don't want to particularly be having a conversation at that point, either about the topic or with that person, uh, it could be anything. It could just be a long night of like not sleeping well and just restless and waking up and, and you know, our mind can just... Uh, it can kind of implode a little bit and become that, I don't know, like that victim mentality or just, just not being patient or just negative and, and all those things just kind of scramble our brain, right? We, we weren't made to be negative. And so I just kind of stop and say to myself, I could do anything for whatever, a couple hours or whatever. And it's just really helped me like on a regular basis it's helped me. So I share those three tips from Nana or Silly Sally in hopes that if you haven't heard them before or if you have a need to be reminded, I hope that maybe you can remind that to um, to just be a rag doll, to not, you know, not fight it. Kind of like 
when you get caught in a rip current in the ocean, they say don't fight it because you're not going to win. It's going to suck you out to sea. Just swim along with it and it'll eventually spit you out. This is kind of the same concept. Just swim along with the riptide <laughs> and be a ragdoll. And that don't speak it into being. <laughs> don't all that negative stuff. Mm-mm-mm. Don't help make it come true. <laughs> and that we can do anything for an amount of time. We can. We really can. So those are three gifts I feel like Nana gave me just by how she lived. She was a unique person and she embraced her uniqueness and anyone that ever knew her never forgot her. <laughs> and she was very artsy and she she loved to paint and uh, loved crafts and things like that. Was an excellent sewer. So she she was a woman of many talents, probably the best talent I think she had because really, truly, she could do a lot of things and and then do them well. I called her MacGyver all the time. Like, I'll never forget one time we were in the airport and one of our suitcases blew open. Like, it ripped open. It was a fabric one. And because she's a sewer, she always had some type of a sewing kit on her. I mean, an excellent sewer, like knitter, embroider, the whole thing. And I look over and she's sewing the suitcase. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, the suitcase ripped. I'm like, how are you sewing? What are you sewing a suitcase together with? She says, well, I had a needle in my purse anyway. She's like, dental floss. It's great. It, it won't break. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I got to say, I had never thought of using dental floss as thread, but she was completely right. That held forever and ever. Amen. Like that was the best thing. So I was always learning things from her. She's like touching up nicks on the white walls in the house or whatever. She's like, yeah, I just use white out. I don't go and like bother getting paint out and stuff. That's a lot of hassle. She's like, I just use white out. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Because I mean, I, I got married at 19. And, you know, I, I didn't know a whole lot about all of that. And so, uh, yeah, she turned me on to using a black Sharpie to touch up clothes if they got like a little bleach stain on them or something like that or scuffs on shoes. She's like, just use a Sharpie. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. So I did call her MacGyver because she was always finding the most simple yet creative ways to fix things. She was definitely cool with that. So that is my mother-in-law <laughs> in a nutshell. And so then I'll, I'd save my mom for last, of course. So um, best for last, not in who's better, but just she's my mom. So she lived a life of giving from the heart. And I learned from her to live authentically, love fully, and give from the heart. So she she could care give so well. I I actually didn't mind getting sick. I got strep throat a lot when I was a teenager, like a lot. And eventually I had my tonsils out at 26. That's a different story. But all the times I got strep throat, because I guess I was a carrier to myself, um, I actually didn't mind being sick because it meant I got this really, I don't know, this special royal treatment from her. I mean, she was always wonderful. And I always want to be half of who she was but yeah she'd bring a bed tray and it would always have like my favorite food on it and a teen magazine and she'd pick a flower from the yard and it was just golly she just knew how to make you feel so special and so deeply loved 
And even when she was at her sickest, it was probably just a couple of weeks before she passed away. She looked at me one day and she said, you know, I'm only alive because of you girls. I'm fighting this for y'all. And I knew that she meant that, that we were literally her reason for living. And she volunteered for everything that we were involved in. When my sister was a Girl Scout, she was in that. When I was a Brownie, she was in that. She, When we were in cheerleading, she was team mom. She, you know, she was running carpools all the time. She just, every way, every way for like, that she could be involved in our lives, she was, she would bake for fundraisings for the school or for our sports or whatever. It's just, she was just always present, always present. And she would make everything really fun at home. We didn't have a whole lot, but it didn't matter because we knew on Fridays we had Domino's Pizza on speed dial. And Friday was Pizza Friday. It was Domino Day. (laughs) And it was just fun things like that that we just really looked forward to. She made our house a home. She had a poem on our refrigerator that talked about how being a mom was more important than being a housewife. Um, she did work. It was a long story, but um, with di- her, she had two different marriages. And anyway, so there's times where she was a stay-at-home mom and times where she was a full-time working mom. And she always cared more about her family than anything else. So, you know, the house didn't have to be perfect, although she did keep it very clean. And, you know, we helped with that, of course. But anyway, she just made you feel like you were the only one in the room when you were with her, no matter how many other people were around. She also, um, one thing I kind of caught, they, t- they talk about, you know, parents teach things to kids, but sometimes we catch things from our parents just because it's just, they're just living their life and doing what they do and we see it and we kind of catch it. So one thing that I caught from her was that she was never afraid to try new things. And it was funny, it was like whatever the trending thing was, she was interested in it. So I remember as a little girl, like little, little, like five, six, seven years old, she did that whole like shellac bread thing where like you bake bread and then you like paint it with shellac so it stays beautiful and it hardens. Of course, you can't eat it, but it's like a centerpiece. And she did a really good job of that. She'd make these beautiful rolls and loaves of bread. And I was always bummed because I just wanted to eat them, but they looked really, really pretty. So she, you know, tried that. And then she took a decorating class um, to remodel our little bathroom. Literally, you could stand in the middle of it and touch wall to wall on one side and wall to wall on the other. It was tiny, but she redid it. And it was neat. She brought home like the decorating board that they made in class with all the samples. It was the sample of the beaded curtain for the medicine cabinet. This was the 70s. (laughs) And then like the big yellow and green floral wallpaper and, you know, all the different like sample pieces. And I was just so fascinated because it looked like a little miniature room on this board. And I was just really, you know, like proud of her for going out and, and trying that. And she decorated the bathroom over and 
So she was, she, that's, those are just two examples of how she, she wasn't afraid to try new things. And um, I really, really admire that about her. And I think when I think of my mom, the, <laughs> the first thing that always comes to my mind, though, is how much she laughed. She laughed at life. She laughed at herself. And she could laugh at any situation that would make most people just want to cry or run away. So I'm going to give you a story that if she were sitting here right now, I know she wouldn't care if I told. It was not a private story when she was alive. It was middle school, back to school night for me. It was a brand new school I was in. And it, I was just really wanting to make a good impression. And, you know, it's, the parents got to go and kind of walk the, the child's class routine and meet the teachers and all that. So she was working at that point. She was um, divorced and working full time. And I just really wanted to make a good impression on my teachers and then on the parents of my fellow classmates. I was super nervous because I didn't know anyone at the school. And so she she was always late for everything and it's you just gotta laugh it was i mean if i could count how many times that we got caught in the mall after closing time and it'd be like security guards having to walk us out some creepy side door because all the chain fences had come down on the stores and we were like stuck so anyway we were late for everything all the time and so she comes rushing in and she's late and we go to the first class and that's fine and then she she uses the restroom and she came out and came into the room to the, to the next classroom and I see people just kind of looking a little bit funny at her and I'm like what in the world so we, <laughs> she walked in front of me and I saw her from the back and she was in such a hurry to not be late to this next class on the schedule because she was already late arriving that after <laughs> she came out of the bathroom stall she didn't realize that she had tucked her skirt up into her pantyhose <laughs> and so like <laughs> her back of her skirt was like tucked up in her pantyhose so like her whole butt was showing <laughs> and, and she went into the classroom like that and I Enough people saw it before I saw it, and then I was like, Mom! <laughs> and so I was, I, we ran out, I was like, you gotta come, you know, out in the hallway. So we go out in the hallway, and I tell her what the situation is, and she starts laughing because she's mortified. You know, she's, she could just, the earth could just swallow her up. She's so embarrassed, but She's still laughing. Like, I love that about her. She didn't get mad and all that drama. She was laughing so hard. We could not compose ourselves. And we had to leave. We actually had to leave. Because neither one of us was going to be okay to go back in and sit quietly. Because, well, neither one of us really wanted to show our face in there again. But also, we just couldn't stop laughing about that. Because... She just had no idea. I was like, you didn't feel a draft back there? She's like, no. So even in like the most embarrassing situations, she could laugh about it. And I love that. She taught me how to laugh at myself. So if I trip, I laugh. Like it's just, she always said, life gives you two choices to laugh or cry. So you might as well laugh. 
And I just love that about her. So I trust me, there's a million stories I could tell about how she had to laugh at herself or the situation. And I'll tell, okay, I'll tell you one really quick one more. She was sitting there eating one day in our, in our like family room. And she's just taking, you know, bite after bite. And she happened to bite down precisely when a fly flew into her mouth. (laughs) She bit the fly like in half. And it's like, I was standing there and I'll never forget her face. I knew instantly something was definitely wrong. Like I didn't know she cracked a tooth or something, but this look of just horror on her face and she jumps up and her food goes flying everywhere and she goes running through the house just screaming because she realized what happened and then when she finally came back into the room she was laughing I was laughing we're just rolling on the floor laughing we're like how is it that your timing was such that you that fly like flew in your mouth the second you bit down. It's just all this kind of stuff was just always happening to her and she just didn't take life seriously. And if there's any of that in me, I get it completely from her. I probably, you know, go too far and I probably laugh at inappropriate times just because we're just, we, we just laughed all the time because life was really hard and her situation was miserable and difficult and she could have been a crusty woman a crusty angry bitter woman and instead she was just this beautiful giggly happy person and i love that i love that she just could look at the in the face of all the trials and things that she went through and she could still laugh and i really i mean she She cried too, you know, she got angry too, all those things, but she mostly laughed and was joyful and happy and she gave truly from her heart. And I just absolutely, I consider that like the, one of the best gifts that she left me in her legacy was to not take life so seriously and to laugh about it. Because if you have to laugh or cry, you might as well laugh. So I'll wrap up by saying that um, there was a saying I found one time on a plaque, like a tile, and I love it so much that I bought it, and I love it, love it, love it, love it. It's by Alice Walker, and she was a Pulitzer Prize winning poet, everything. It's just an amazing person, and it's a simple sentence that really encompasses what all four of these women did for me in my life. So the quote goes by Alice Walker. It says, in search of my mother's garden, I found my own. And I used to think that it was literally like my mother's garden. But as I've lived longer on this earth, (laughs) um, I really see that it's actually a culmination of all four of these amazing women. So it's my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mother-in-law, and my mom. And in search of their garden, I found my own. And I, the way I take that is that I have taken pieces, seeds from them, and 
planted my own garden. And so where, I don't know if Alice Walker meant in search of my mother's garden, I found my own meaning, you know, I'm, I'm my own person and all of that, which could be extremely true and correct. And that is my story in some ways, but I kind of like to internalize it as it is my garden, but it's seeds from them of their legacy of these gifts that I've talked to you about today that I've planted that have now grown into my own and with my own experiences and my own of who I am. I just think that's so cool. I love that quote. So as we approach Mother's Day, I want to wish all the moms out there a happy Mother's Day. And I hope that for everyone that's able to spend Mother's Day near or far with their mom somehow, some way, you reach out, share some love, share a laugh, make a memory of some kind. I know like I've got kids that live out of state, so we FaceTime and that kind of thing. So just hope that everyone has a beautiful day on that day. I know it can be difficult. I know I'll be missing all four of these women. They're all passed away, so I can't hug any of them. But I can certainly be grateful and appreciate everything that they were and who they were to me and all the gifts of the legacy that they've left. And the best way I can show that gratitude is by living out that legacy that hopefully I do a a somewhat decent job at that my kids will one day say the same about me. And on this Mother's Day weekend, may we all reflect on our gardens, the moms, the mom figures, the friends who have been moms to us, everyone who's helped make us who we are today. May we be grateful for the seeds that they have planted in our gardens. See you next time. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the world. Thanks again for listening to Real Deep Stuff. Follow us and subscribe to save your seat at the table for the next conversation. Also, check out our Facebook page to continue the conversation on today's topic. We'll see you there.